Welcome back to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. And if you want to know everything that has to deal with that new Ketel Marte extension, well, we got Zach Buchanan of The Athletic on to break it all down for you next. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. I'm your host, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there. You can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked On Dimebacks to both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. But without further ado, we're here to talk a little Ketel Marte extension, a little spring training, maybe some injury updates, and there's no man to do that better for us than Zach Buchanan of The Athletic. Zach, how are you doing today, sir? Good. How are you? Doing good. You know, finally out this lockout, finally got some real baseball to talk to. And we were gifted with a little gift, Zach, right before the season started. I mean, D-backs fans, they've just been patiently waiting, kind of anxious because, of course, every Yankees fans is in our mention. Hey, when are we getting Ketel Marte? What does it take to get Ketel Marte? Well, he's not going anywhere. Five-year, $76 million extension. Zach, how were the D-backs able to get this done? How were they able to sign into such a massive bargain deal? And why did Ketel Marte want to do this too? Uh, you know, that last question is a really interesting one. I'm not sure we have an answer. Um, other than that Ketel has said multiple times that this is where he wants to be. Um, I, I do think we, we have to look at the fact that this was going to be his last guaranteed year. He's dealt with some injuries uh, although you would think that he's young enough that even if he hit free agency, if they you know they didn't pick up his options, which seemed really unlikely to begin with, that you know he could have done what Marcus Simeon did and played for one year, a one year deal, rebuild his value, and then really cash in. Um, Marcus Simeon hit free agency at 31. He got seven years, 175 million dollars. Uh, 31 is the age that could tell would have hit free agency, and so he's you know, maybe cost himself about a hundred million dollars, but we also have to recognize that money isn't everything. Maybe he, he really wants to be here. This is what the Diamondbacks were willing to do to get it done now. And uh, it's a done deal. Now from the Diamondbacks perspective, you're right. It is a massive bargain. You know, they've, they've had this happen to them three times already. You know, Paul Goldschmidt signed an early in his career extension and immediately outplayed it. He was a huge bargain. Cattell was a huge bargain the first time. And now it seems that there's a potential that he will continue to be a bargain as he goes further into his prime years. Um, and from the Diamondbacks' perspective, you know, all they've done is add value here. They've got their best asset locked up long term on terms that are friendly to them. And because of that, if they do get to a point two or three years from now and this rebuild hasn't gone well, uh, they can still trade that guy for a lot of value. So um, it's really hard to see the downside if you're the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and if you're the D-backs, of course, there's been a lot of rumors, at least not maybe from the D-backs perspective, but a lot of other teams definitely interested in Ketel Marte. So 
Do you think any of those rumors were substantiated? Do you think there was actually maybe any deals that were close? Or do you think there was any team that was like, okay, if the D-backs were to trade Keta Marte, this is the team that you have to watch out for? Uh, I don't think anything was ever close. Um, uh, it, it makes sense that teams would call on that guy, right? Because the Diamondbacks were terrible last year. He had three seasons remaining that were incredibly cheap um, for, for a player of his caliber. And if they were going to trade some veterans, like that, that's the biggest impact they could have made by trading Cattell. Um, and they, they didn't do that. And I don't, I never got the sense that they were willing to do that. They put up high prices on guys who are not as talented or as valuable as Cattell Marte in trade talks. And so uh, I don't think that that was ever their preferred route. Um, the Diamondbacks front office is the type that will listen to anything. If, if someone really wanted to overpay them and it made sense for them, uh, they would have done it, but they, they intentionally set a pretty high bar for getting something like that done. And we, we heard from Mike Hazen today that they started talking to Cattell about an extension right before the lockout hit. So this has been uh, bubbling for a certain amount of time, um, and clearly this was part of their plans. I don't know if they're surprised that he was able to agree to these kinds of terms. It's certainly great for the organization that he was. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that this was their hope all along. The, the, the logic always was for as far as the Diamondbacks have to go to be a competitive team, if you're going to keep Ketel Marte, it has to be because you think you're going to sign him again to another extension to keep him here so that he's still in the middle of the lineup when this team is good again. Yeah, I haven't looked into Marte's agency, but I'm guessing it's not Scott Boris with the fact that I saw these numbers on this deal. I was like, this is a Boris Klein. Like, this dude is hitting free agency, and he's getting $200 million plus because at least MLB Network thinks Marte's the best second baseman in the sport, and I think other people would agree. So I was glad to see this extension uh, finally get done because it's been something that really hasn't been rumored. It's just kind of something that D-backs fans have been hoping that it happens, but we never were really sure it was going to happen. But you mentioned Paul Goldschmidt there, and I was just kind of wondering, I just got this question in my head just now. Do you think that Paul Goldschmidt trade when they look back at it and you say, Carson Kelly's a nice player, Luke Weaver's still a big work in progress. Do the, do the D-backs look at that Paul Goldschmidt trade as maybe a parameter as to whether to trade or not trade Ketel Marte? Uh, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of apples to oranges because Paul was already in his 30s. He had one more year left. Um, he was not going to sign a deal like this one that Ketel just signed. He, you know, he was going to get his money's worth, which he did uh, from the Cardinals in his extension. He, I think he signed for like $26 million a year. Um, and so I think it was, it was a bit of a different situation. The team was in a different position. Um, you know, they, they, they were going to be, if they're going to be more competitive, they couldn't pour money into retaining Goldschmidt and Patrick Corbin and AJ Pollock and all the guys that were on that 2018 team and the 2017 team. So I, I think it's a little different. And if you want to kind of look at, um, how that deal went, I think you can look at it two ways. If you're looking at, it as um, Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver and Andy Young, who's no longer in the organization, and uh, a draft pick that I, I think became Connor Grammis. I could be wrong on that, but they got a compens- uh, a draft pick as part of that package. For one year, Paul Goldschmidt, I think he did pretty well because you got some long-term assets who have turned into big leaders, especially Carson Kelly. But if you're looking at it as well, the Cardinals immediately signed the guy to an extension without him ever stepping foot in St. Louis, and maybe the Diamondbacks could have done that, then it's it's a lot less even looking. Um, 
And so the jury's kind of out on that one. It, it really depends on how realistic it would have been that Goldschmidt would have re-signed here had he not been traded. Yeah, because my biggest issue with trading star players is I just never feel like you get the proper value in return. So I was like, wherever we trade Ketel Marte, if we're not getting, you know, Volpe back or something from the Yankees, it probably doesn't make sense to move him because I, I kind of use that Paul Goldschmidt trade as like, I, I guess, uh, something to compare this car, this Ketel Marte trade to if, you know, in terms of value of both players. So I'm glad to see that, you know, like most D-backs fans, that Ketel Marte was not traded. It's going to be on this team for at least the next few seasons, but... Uh, do you think the D-backs have to be competitive for the next two years for the rumors to stop? Like, what how, do you think Ketel Marte will be on this team for the duration of his contract? Or if the D-backs continue to suck the next two years, could we see the full-scale rebuild actually come? Yeah, well, if we if we get to the end of 20, let me do the math here, 2026, and he's still a Diamondback, he's going to be a Diamondback because he'll lock in 10 and 5 rights at that point and he'll have no trade protection. But that's a long time from now. I, I do think signing this deal right now, I mean, if you're looking at, you know, whether he would make it through what was the term of his original contract, which was through 2024, I think that seems pretty obvious. Um, I, I don't think we're going to find out that the rebuild has gone so wrong over the next three years that they're going to suddenly about face and try and trade him. So I, I do think that, that that stays off that conversation for a time. But say we get to the end of 2024, this team hasn't taken meaningful steps forward. The, the, the guys that we thought the farm system would produce have come up and they don't look as good as we thought. And uh, it doesn't look like they're going to have a chance to win the division or, or get a wild card spot anytime soon. Um, at that point, Cattell is 31. He's got four more years of control beyond that at a pretty reasonable rate. If he's still a good player and this team is no close, no closer to being competitive, I think we start hearing this pipe up again. Okay, so it sounds like we at least got a couple years before we have to start worrying about these rumors reigniting and restarting because Ketel Marte is at least here in Arizona for the next few years. And like you said, if we make it, no, by the time Ketel Marte is 30 or 31, if he's still under contract with the D-backs and whether the D-backs are good or not, I'm sure Ketel Marte probably wouldn't mind just riding it out for the rest of his time in Arizona. It's a good city. It's a good vibe, sunny every day. So I'm sure that's one of the reasons why he wants to stay in Arizona. And maybe another reason why he wants to stay in Arizona is because he tried Locked On's new product, Athletic Greens, because our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I'm a person that tries to go to the gym, Zach. You know, I try to be healthy. I know you're a dad now, so I'm sure health is important to you. And if you want to stay healthy, Zach, you got to try some Athletic Greens. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. The great thing about Athletic Greens is it's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it is absolutely essential to your diet. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
All right, back here with Zach Buchanan. He listened to my two-minute spiel about athletic greens. But Zach, let's do some spring training discussion because there's some training camp battles going on right now in Arizona. And I think the one that people have their eyes on the most is third base. It might be the easiest training camp battle to predict. But right now, it seems like it's Josh Rojas among the rest of the candidates. So do you think it's Josh Rojas's job to lose or could you see Drew Ellis maybe sneaking in there? Yeah, I know. I think at this point it's, it's Rojas's job. Um, there's a, the one way that that wasn't going to be the case is if they went out and acquired a third baseman to start there. Um, at this point in camp, I, I would think it's pretty unlikely that they're going to be able to do that. Rosters are starting to congeal. Teams are making decisions. Um, I suppose there's a chance, you know, you always see guys that are on minor league deals that opt out or, guys that are DFA'd as, as camps close, and maybe one of those guys makes sense for the Diamondbacks, but that's really hard to predict. Right now, I think it's Rojas is going to be the everyday guy there, which frankly probably made the most sense from the beginning because we, we know he's got the bat to do it. He's athletic enough and has the glove to play over there. Um, and the idea of just having him bounce around the diamond when there was no one else to play third base didn't seem to make much sense. So I, I would guess that that pretty much solidifies the infield. Yeah, and reading your thread, I know the D-backs are really focused in on keeping players at one defensive home disposition. So I'm sure Rojas gets the third-base job. It's going to be his full-time for the duration of the 2022 season. But were the D-backs linked to anybody in free agency that could play third base? Were there any you know realistic connections? I mean, someone like Kyle Seager before he retired would just someone I had my eye on. Maybe at Eduardo Escobar, you know, reconnection. Was there anybody out there that the D-backs were interested in? I think in terms of free agents, they weren't going to spend the kind of money to get an Escobar. Seager would have been, would have been kind of interesting if he didn't retire. But I think they were looking more at the, the levels of like Donovan Solano, okay. Matt, Matt Duffy, like guys who are mm-hmm. starters for teams. I mean, Solano was a solid player for the Giants yeah. for several years, but not someone that's moving the needle. Um, you know, I could have seen them going out and trying to reunion maybe with this Drupal Cabrera. Um, although that's a guy you really can't play every day at this point in his career. But, uh, you know, the real stopgap type options, the, the more interesting route they could have taken, and I, I'm sure they explored this to a certain extent, was uh, trading for a controllable third baseman. Um, because they do have some depth in other areas, both on their major league team and in the minors. Uh, if they had found the right guy that they liked there, you're probably looking at someone – uh, with you know at least three years of control if the Diamondbacks are going to be giving up something to get him. Uh, I could have seen them doing that. But those deals are hard to, to come together. You don't see a lot of guys um, with that much control being traded. I, I know they at least checked in with the Reds on Eugenio Suarez before he went to the Mariners. Um, that's not exactly getting a guy who's uh, going to be an immediate upgrade because Suarez has been pretty bad uh, the last year or so. But he's on a long-term deal that's uh, not back-breaking. He has been very good before. He gets a lot of home runs. Uh, that would have made some sense for them, although I think that the, the Diamondbacks kind of balked at the idea of taking on all of his contract. But, uh, you know, that, that would have been an interesting way to go uh, and an interesting way to solve the problem of third base. But as of now, it just doesn't look like something that's going to happen. So that's Josh Rojas's job. Yeah, Suarez would have been interesting. I know everyone hates his deal, but it's not like the D-backs pay a lot of players. I think like a quarter of the salary is going to Madison Bumgarner anyway. Suarez, he bats below the Mendoza line, but he, he was like, what, 49 home runs back in 2019. The D-backs were second to last in home runs last season, so he would have at least helped in the power department for the D-backs, but I'm not too mad uh, 
leaving the offseason without Suarez on the team, I don't think he would have moved the needle that much anyway. But let's talk about the number five starter, Zach, because this is a, a spot in the rotation that I don't really have a strong grasp on, like who is in the lead for this. Like I see a bunch of people talking about Dan Straley, who was signed to a minor league deal. Do you think he's the most likely candidate? I kind of like Taylor Widener from last season. I thought he wasn't te- uh, terrible. I still got Tyler Gilbert out there. They just signed Zach Davies. Who do you think is in the lead for that number five spot? I think it's Davies at this point. I think you don't go out and make a signing like that, um, especially midway through camp, if he's not going to start for you. He pitched today. He looked all right. Um, He's got a long track record of throwing strikes. That that was kind of what was different about him last year with the Cubs is he really struggled with walks, but the Diamondbacks think they can get that back under control. So at this point, your rotation is pretty full. You know, I think you're, you're assuming because you have extra roster spots right now, you can carry a few extra relievers and have guys like Davies and Gallon, who are both a bit behind in terms of stretching out, be ready enough to start the season, maybe on a limited pitch count, and you're not going to tax your bullpen that way. So you're looking at Bumgarner, Gallon, Merrill Kelly, Luke Weaver, Zach Davies. And now the big competition now is all those guys that you mentioned as being in the mix for that fifth starter role, Taylor Widener, Tyler Gilbert, Dan Straley. Now it's it's a kind of a really heated race to figure out who winds up in, in the back end of the bullpen because not all of them are going to fit there. Yeah, you mentioned Zach Gallen just now. Do you have any updates on whether he's going to be ready by opening day or is it going to take a couple of weeks because I know he's dealing with that shoulder bursitis? Yeah, he'll be ready. I think uh, his next outing is going to be in a Cactus League game. He's going to pitch three innings and 45 pitches. Uh, you know, we might get to the opening day and he's only got 60 pitches in him. But you've got the ability to carry like, you know, 10 relievers if you really want to. And so the Diamondbacks could go that route and make sure they have the extra coverage uh, to, to fill in behind him. And they're going to carry a lot of guys like like all those guys we just talked about. All those guys, if they go to the bullpen, they're going to be able to provide length. You know, they've all stretched out. Dan Straley pitched like four innings today. Uh, you can you can deal with having a shorter leash on Gallon in the early going if you have that extra coverage in the bullpen. Yeah, I'm okay with Gallon having a short leash, uh, short leash for the opening series. I just need him to be there because we started last season without Gallon. I just feel like it's a bad omen for the season if Gallon's not there to start the year. So just to see Gallon in uniform, pitching on the mound, 60 pitches, I think I would be pretty happy as a D-backs fan. If he needs some extra strength to maybe make it to 90, 95 pitches, maybe he needs to eat a Bilt Bar. I don't know if you've heard of Bilt Bar, Zach, but these are absolutely delicious. They're not candy bars. Even though they taste like candy bars, they're actually protein bars. And it's the reason that I've been able to stick to my New Year's resolution, despite it being what? We're, we're, we're almost in April now because these things are absolutely delicious. They're low calorie, they're low sugar, they're high protein, they're high fiber. They're great for this keto diet that I'm trying to do, that I'm trying to you know stay consistent on. And they even have these things called puffs, which are bas- basically marshmallowy infused protein bars that are fluffy and like all their protein bars they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they're both soft and easy to chew if you want your own built bar know what you gotta do gotta go to built.com use that promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15% off your next order promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com All right, all right, all right. We're wrapping up here with Zach Buchanan pretty soon. He's a busy man. We got opening day around the corner. So, Zach, 
Uh, I just want to get a couple. We already got the Zach Gallon injury out the way. I was going to ask you about Nick Ahmed, but I actually have one more question about spring training because Haven Smith is someone that I'm just not sure where he fits into this team in 2022. Like, what's his role going to look like? Is he going to be the guy that put Jordan Luplo in right field and then also platoons with uh, Christian Walker at first? Or is Seth Beer going to eat into some time at first? Or is it going to be some DHing? Like, what do you expect Paven Smith's role to look like next season? Yeah, I think you'll see him mostly in right field and and not in the other outfield spots. You know, he played some left and some center last year. I don't think they're going to go that route now that they have guys like Jake McCarthy in camp. Um, but a, a lot in right field. And he will get some time at first base uh, spelling Christian Walker. You know, if they want to sit Christian against a really tough righty, um, Paven Smith is a good option for that. Uh, I'm not sure you're going to see much of Seth Beard first base. Uh, uh, his is really an issue there, but that's what the DH spot is for. I, I do think the way that Seth has swung the bat this spring, that's going to be really hard to keep him off the roster. Uh, I mean, the, if if having the universal DH can't get that guy in the big leagues, then nothing can. So, uh, but Paven, I, I think he's going to play close to pretty much every day, and you're going to see a lot of Dalton Varsho. Uh, every day too. Uh, I would guess that David Peralta in the outfield sits a lot against lefties. He did that last year. And you're going to see Jordan Luplau in there kind of spelling Peralta, moving over to right field when Pavin's at first base, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Because Seth Beer is someone that basically every checkpoint of his career has just shown that he's an offensive monster from the minor leagues to spring training to his little like week stint on the big league level last season. Seth Beer has checked all the boxes. So he's someone that I feel like has to be in this lineup for the D-backs team as a DH next season, just because he provides, like we were talking about before, that power, that pop, that not a lot of players on this D-back in this D-backs lineup have. So I'm hoping we see Seth Beer at least get some opportunity next season. Paven Smith, uh, we'll see what happens with him. He has some flaws in his game that I definitely feel like he needs to improve if he wants to be an everyday major leaguer on a real contender. So, Paven Smith, I got my eye on you, buddy, for this season. I'm hoping you progress in the areas that we want. But Nick Ahmed is someone that's dealing with some shoulder injuries, and his shoulder has been hurting him since last season. So, do you have an update on whether Nick Ahmed is going to miss some time, how long that time might be, and who do you think would be the best option to replace Nick Ahmed if he was to miss some time at shortstop? Yeah, so I don't have much of an update other than that. He is um, in Texas getting a second opinion from the Rangers team's position, Dr. Keith Meister, on his shoulder. Okay. And, you know, it's worth noting that, you know, what there are uh, – Let's see, nine days until opening day. Usually when guys are going to get second opinions on troublesome joints and muscles nine days before opening day, they don't make it to opening day. Um, even if he comes back and they say, oh, you're, you're good to go, I would guess that there's going to be a bit of a process to build up. Um, and so I, I, I think at this point, it's probably fair to assume he would miss the start of the season. So what do you do about that? I think you have two options. Um, if Ahmed is ready but limited, you're looking at Sergio Alcantara as your backup shortstop. They they did a small trade with the Tigers to get him. He was the guy, one of the guys they sent initially to Detroit to get J.D. Martinez. He is a legit shortstop. He is a right-handed hitter, which is something their bench really lacked. And he's going to be on the team no matter what, I would guess. Um, but if Ahmed is going to miss significant time and not be ready for opening day, I got to tell you, Geraldo Perdomo has looked ready this spring. 
Uh, last year was a, a crucial developmental year for him. He figured some things out midway through the season. He's really starting to hit the ball with some authority, which is something he'd never done in his career before. He looks very comfortable at the plate, especially comfortable in the field where he's always been advanced. He's looking pretty close to being a starting shortstop in the big leagues. And uh, another Ahmed absence may be what it takes to, to for the Geraldo Perdomo era to begin. You know, Ahmed was hurt at the start of last season. Perdomo came up. Ahmed was hurt at the end of last season. Perdomo came up. Uh, and so, you know, it, that may be the secret sauce for Geraldo Perdomo at this point is not having the Ahmed available. Yeah, I kind of wanted Perdomo to start as short or at least platoon to start the season as short to begin the year. I know Nick Ahmed was probably going to get the everyday role no matter what, but considering his offense really doesn't do for much for me in my lineup, I know he's a great defender, but Perdomo's a pretty great defender too. Maybe he's like 80 to 90% of Nick Ahmed's defense, but he at least has speed and athleticism, something that this D-backs lineup doesn't really have outside of Dalton Varsho. So I felt like Perdomo could at least add a dynamic to this lineup that they wouldn't have had with Nick Ahmed. So let's say Nick Ahmed misses the first month of the season or something like that, first couple months of the season, and Perdomo starts the season hot. Do you do you potentially see Nick Ahmed as maybe a trade candidate this year at the deadline? Um, yes, I, I think they, he's a guy that I think they would, they would trade if Perdomo looks like he's ready for obvious reasons and, and that they don't have a place to play him. They're going to pay him $10 million to be a backup. Because uh, I do think you're right that if Perdomo starts a pot, it's, it's going to be hard to to argue that he should go back down to the mine for some reason. Um, the the challenge in like Ahmed will be: Does anybody want him? You know, he's got yeah. two years left. They're not the most expensive years ever in the history of baseball, but uh, they're pricey. It's not no no team's just going to leap to take on ten million of a shortstop who hasn't been healthy, hasn't has been an above average hitter in his career. So I do think you need Nick Ahmed to be playing well to a certain extent and to look like he could still be a starting shortstop for a team to be able to move him to get anything. You might be able to move him and eat most of his money just to get him out of the way. I, I'm not going to go that far. I do think they they think he's a good influence for their young players. Um, and he's a guy who, despite his slap, knows a lot about the science of hitting um, so I, I think they wouldn't mind keeping around for that perspective. But uh, to get anything for the guy, he's got to play well. You know, it's the same thing with David Peralta, who, who at this spring looks like he's playing a lot as in recent years. And maybe that turns him into a trade chip instead of someone the team is saddled with. Yeah, I don't think you're getting much for Nick Ahmed. It would be more of a salary dump than anything. Maybe David Peralta, you get something, especially if he continues this hot spring training into the regular season. I could see someone maybe giving up a 16-year-old Cuban prospect that's like six years down the line. Nick Ahmed, I'm not sure you're getting anything for him. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Ahmed Perdomo, like I said, is someone that I'm really interested in just because he's so young and has been one of the top 10 to 15 prospects in the D-backs organization over the last couple of years. So he's someone that I would want to see get opportunity to start the year if Nick Ahmed isn't there. but. Final question for you, Zach, before we wrap up today. I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Give me a prediction for the D-backs for this season and a World Series prediction. Oh, okay. It doesn't, have to be record. it doesn't have to be record. It doesn't have to be record or anything. You could say Dalton oh, Varshow is going to be 30 home runs. Zach okay. Allen's going to win Cy Young. It could be any prediction you want. But I do need a World Series yeah. prediction of who you think will win. Okay. So, okay, for the Diamondbacks, I think this is actually a, a pretty easy one to stake my name. I think their pitching is going to get noticeably better. 
going to be because Brent Strom is the pitching coach. Um, I've gotten to watch Brent work a lot with their pitchers, both young guys and guys like Madison Bumgarner. They all rave about him. He is a super active coach in terms of uh, instruction. He's not afraid to interrupt a bullpen. Hey, no, let's work on this. Let's drill down on that. Um, and the, the proof is in the pudding with what he's using with the Astros. So uh, I think that, that there is some pitching talent on this roster, despite the results from last season. And I think Tom is pretty well positioned to get the most out of them. Uh, World Series, uh, that is a lot tougher. Um, I, I think I'm going to go with the Dodgers again in the World Series. Uh, they Shocker. They signed Freddie Freeman. And look, it's them with the resources they have, right? Um the odds are probably most in their favor every single year. Um, but on the AL side, that's tough. You, you know, get, get, I'm going to kind of go uh, outside the the consensus out and take the Blue Jays. Uh, they seem like a really interesting team who uh, probably deserve to be in last year. I'm sure now with expanded playoffs, they are definitely in. Uh, and they, they look pretty stacked. So uh, I still think probably the, the Dodgers win that battle of blue there. But uh, – the, I, I think the Blue Jays and the World Series would be pretty fun. Yeah, you and my Monday partner, Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB, he has the Dodgers and Blue Jays making it, to, making it to the World Series as well. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, the Blue Jays, uh, of course, have a really nice team. They lost Simeon and they lost uh, Robbie Ray, former former D-back Robbie Ray, but they still got a pretty loaded roster over there. Of course, the Dodgers, they have unlimited resources. Brent Strom, I think Luke Weaver's probably going to be the – person we look at the most as to whether this Brent Strom has been a success or not in Arizona because like you said the track record Dallas Keiko Verlander Garrett Cole he's turned basically anyone he's touched into a, a Cy Young award winner like he's got the Midas touch when it's come to pitching so if he can't turn Luke Weaver into at least a legitimate number three starter uh, I know some teams were interested in Luke Weaver during this offseason. I know a team like the Mets were rumored to be interested. So I, I, I won't ask you today, but I, I think I could see Luke Weaver potentially get moved after the season or at the deadline if even Brent Strom can't unlock the stuff that we see in Luke Weaver because everyone's like, oh, Luke Weaver stuff, but we need to see the production. We need to see those, the results. And if Brent Strom can't do it, then I'm not sure it's ever going to happen for Luke Weaver. Zach? Thank you for hopping on today's pod. Where can the loyal listeners find you on social media? Yeah, I'm at ZH Buchanan on Twitter. Yeah, and uh, if come, you're... Come follow me for all my bad tweets. Yeah, come follow Zach. He's a great follow on Twitter. Go read his articles on The Athletic. Just dropped a new one about an hour ago about the Ketel Marte extension. So go check that out. I mean... We're recording this on Tuesday, but it's dropping Wednesday. So go check out yesterday's article about the Ketel Marte extension. Zach, I know you got a family now. I know you got a kid to get back to. So, sir, thank you for making the time today. Enjoy the rest of your day, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Shout out to Zach Buchanan of The Athletic for hopping on today's pod. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. As always, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen of the day. Go make Locked on MLB your second listen of the day with my pal, Sully Baseball. He's a walking baseball encyclopedia, so go check him out. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuce!